Welcome to the Northgate Church Podcast from the heart of Chester in the UK. Morning everybody. How are you all? Can you hear me okay? Hear me at the back? Keith? You alright Keith? Excellent. Right. Well that's working isn't it? Um, Yeah my name's Guy so I'm part of the church here at Northgate and uh, love to be part of the church. Um, a couple of things, three really important things in our lives are uh, hearing, seeing and speaking. Well two out of those three were nearly compromised uh, over the last few days because I've got a new pair of glasses, I had um, an eye test last week and they fitted me with some new Verifocals. Anyone wear Verifocals? Does it take some time to get used to them? It's weird because I'm looking down and everything's kind of nice and clear and then I look up and things are clear there but then when I look down from the top of my lenses I'm looking at here and it's not clear there and I'm trying to like and then I'm doing that do you find yourself doing that like your head's up but your eyes are going down it's weird isn't it very focals they yeah they do I mean I've had them for a while but I've got these new ones and it's just kind of like freaked me out a bit anyway that's my vision so I'm hoping I can see my notes if not I'll just wing it is that all right um secondly uh be able to hear, that's no problem, I'm okay with that. Being able to speak, um, Jenny's gone out to the kids' work yesterday, but um, as you'll, some of you will know, I'm chaplain at Chester Football Club. Yesterday, Chester FC took 2,000 people to Oldham uh, in the FA Cup, fourth qualifying round, and um, we got a 1-1 draw with a team who used to be in the Premiership. Isn't that amazing? 1-1 draw, so we got a replay. Chester, Tuesday night, if you're free. Come down to the Diva Stadium for a fantastic game of football. Chester v Oldham Athletic. Um, but it was so exciting yesterday that my voice is croaky today because I was screaming so much and we got an equaliser with 10 minutes to go and I'm jumping up and down and making a lot of noise. And Rich and Rich Nutt and Josh were there and Jenny was there as well and we had a great time. But my voice was... And I, in the end, I had to think, right, I'm just going to silently cheer. Have you ever done that? I was going... Because I thought, if I carry on with this, I won't be able to preach preach today or I'll have to do like a Siri preach I was wondering if I could like do a Siri preach or something anyway may, maybe not work so my voice is okay um, my eyes hopefully will work and we will be able to um, have a look at this so Ola if you can just put the the opening slide up that'd be fantastic so we've been doing this whole series about um, identity haven't we and that's where we've been going on our Sunday mornings recently now I remember my uh, lovely daughter, Abby. They're not here today, Abby and Johnny, but Abby's part of the church. She, um, she had a no birthday this year. I won't say what it was, but it begins with three. Anyway, amazing. Um, and I remember when Abby was little, and, uh, and some of you in the room will remember this. Abby was little, and uh, she, was, she loved to be in front of a camera. If you put a video camera there, Abby would be there. She'd always want to get in. She'd always want to be talking. She was like, you know... Love to be in front of the camera. I remember once we videoed her and she said, um, I think she said something like, um, my name's Abby and I'm Nana's granddaughter. She said, my, I'm, my name's Abby and I'm Nana's granddaughter. And I remember her thinking, I remember thinking she knew exactly who she was. It was like, my name's Abby, this is my name and I'm Nana's granddaughter. There was that sense of, she knew not just who she was, but she knew who she belonged to as well. She had that clarity in terms of her identity. It was something that was so special to her. Now, I'm delighted that all those years later, she's grown up, she knows Jesus, she loves him, she trusts him. And not long after that, I think around that time was where she made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as her own Lord and Saviour. 
But I remember her knowing or just being clear on who she was, but also where she came from, who she belonged to, where she belonged. And that was so precious. Now, this series, we've been looking at um, the whole idea of our, our identity and the fact that our identity should be firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. Now, the Gospel of John begins with some, and we're going to look today at the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John begins with some amazing and some powerful truths about who Jesus is, where he came from, and what his true purpose was. Now, there's an echo through time in these scriptures from the beginning of the Bible itself. So the first first three words of Genesis are? In the beginning. First three words of John's Gospel? In the beginning. Do you think that's a coincidence? Coincidence? No, not at all. Because John is making the link in John 1. He's making that link, that connection. Because what was going on at the beginning of time was what God was creating, wasn't he? God was creating. It actually says right at the start of Genesis that the earth was void. The earth was formless. There was no form around the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Bang. And you can imagine it, can't you? God doing this and that and not all that creation going on. Wouldn't you love to have been there at that time? Absolutely incredible. So at that time, right at the beginning of Scripture, in Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God did. Okay? Now let's move forward to the Gospel of John. So if you've got your Bibles, anyone got Bibles with them today? Electronic versions, paper versions, iPhone versions, Samsung tablet versions, Google phones. Anyone got a Google phone, by the way? Wow, what's it like, Steve? Is it good? So I see these Google phones advertised, but I think I don't know anyone with a Google phone. That has just changed. Mr. Steve Horbacheski. So if you've got your phone, your Bible, anything, papers, have a look at John 1. Now, the amazing thing is, if we think back to Genesis, like just briefly, it said the beginning was God, okay? The Word. And it also says that the Holy Spirit, um, what's the word it used? Hovered. It said the Holy Spirit was hovering over creation. Now, some of the translations say moving. Some say brooding. Isn't that amazing? Thinking about that, brooding. So God was there. Jesus was there at the beginning of creation and the Holy Spirit was brooding. So that's the absolute perfect trinity, isn't it, in place there. Now, John 1, let's have a look at this. Because this is going to be the anchor point for what I've got to share today. I knew that I was going to be bringing a word around identity. We've had some meetings as those of us who are teaching and preaching at the moment. And I knew that this was where I was going to go because I believe that this was the anchor point. This was like the, the grounding, if you like for this word that God's given me. Now, these verses that we're going to read in a moment are verses that we often use when? Christmas. But just like a dog is for life, not just for Christmas, John 1, 1 to 14, is for life, not just for Christmas. So let's never just contain certain passages because we think, oh, that fits in there, that fits in there. They're for the whole of life, aren't they? Yeah? Yes? Fantastic. Okay, guys, let's keep going and keep focused. Okay, so 
John 1, 1 to 14. The word became flesh. This is what it says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through, all, through him, all things were made. Nothing without, sorry, all things were made. Without him, nothing that was made that has been made. In other words, he was involved in the creation of everything. Verse 4 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We'll talk a bit more about that later. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you think those scriptures need a big amen? Do you think those scriptures need a big amen? amen. <laughs> what does amen mean? I agree. Do you agree with what that says? Yeah? Now these scriptures are just the most wonderful source of food for the soul. Do you know that the scriptures have food and water because they sustain us? They give us life, don't they, Pat? How long has the word sustained your life for, Pat? How long? How long? How long? 34 years. 34 years. 34 years the word has sustained Pat in her life. Yeah? yeah? And so many of you in this room could say that the word has sustained your life, has strengthened you, has nourished you, has given you energy, has challenged you, has perplexed you, has confused you sometimes but ultimately that word is a source of strength and it's a source of hope and because I believe that it's essential for us for the understanding of our, our identity to be rooted in an awareness of, of who Jesus is there's three things that I want to highlight today very simple my title today is because Jesus is I am. Because Jesus is, I am. And three things that I want to draw out of just these scriptures in the few minutes that I've got. Because Jesus is, I live in the light. Because Jesus is, I am part of his family. Because Jesus is, I am a reflection of his glory. Now there's so much more that I could draw out of these scriptures 
today. But these were the three things that God highlighted all around this idea and this notion, if you like, this this, um, principle of identity. Because Jesus is, I live in the light. Does anyone recognise what's on the picture on the left of the screen? What are we looking at? It's not the sun. It's the moon. What's in the top left of the screen? Do you know what it is? Jupiter. Do you know how I know this? Because we had um, Abby and Johnny over recently at our house. And Ben and Libby, so if you don't know, um, Johnny and Abby, my daughter and son-in-law, and their two children, our grandchildren, Ben and Libby. Ben's coming up for four, and Libby's will be uh, two next May. And as, we, uh, as we, we, uh, we had them for the day, and then we gave them the baths, and then they were all getting all, all jarmied up. You know, they're so cute, all jarmies and dressing gown and slippers, and they all got in the car. And as we carried them out to the car, we looked across the fields over behind where we live. And that's what we saw. Now, I didn't take the photo, but that was taken by someone in the village who I saw on Facebook later had posted this photo because it's exactly the same as what we'd seen. Saw this amazing moon. We saw the little, what we thought was a star, top left of the moon. Actually, and we were talking to, do you remember we were talking to Ben about it? And he was like, the moon's amazing, Grandpa. The moon is amazing. (laughs) And this little star just peeking above the top left. And uh, he's absolutely into space at the moment, Ben. He just loves it. He loves the planets, loves space, loves rockets, loves all of that. Such an exciting time to be a three-and-a-half-year-old. And we looked at the moon, and I said, I think it's bad. I don't really know what that star is to the side. So we had a talk about it, and then they had to go. So they put them in the car, and they drove off. Later on, I saw someone in the village had put this up on Facebook, and they'd say, amazing shot of the moon with Jupiter. So in the morning, I messaged Ben, and I said, Ben, that's that what we saw wasn't a star, it was a planet, and it was called Jupiter. Amazing. And he had that wonderful, inquisitive, um, almost sort of beaming appreciation for what God had done in creating the moon and the stars, because the Bible says... God put the moon and the stars in their place. Can you imagine that? Going back to creation, God kind of put them into place. I think one of the songs we sing says, did it say flung? Yeah, hands that flung stars into space. Well, flung kind of sounds a bit random, but you can imagine it, can't you? Putting them in their right place. And for Ben, there was that sense of wonder and awe at what God had done in creating this beautiful moon and the stars and the planets that go alongside it. And actually, a lot of you thought that was the sun, and it does look quite bright, doesn't it? But it's actually a nighttime image of the moon and the sort of the aura and the glow around the moon. Because Jesus is, I live in the light. If you look at verses 4 and 5 and verse 9 in John 1, it says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then verse 9 says, the true light that gives light to everyone 
was coming into the world. Who was that coming into the world? That was Jesus. So actually, John was heralding Jesus as the source of all light. So he was kind of signposting Jesus, wasn't he? A light that shines in the darkness, bringing illumination. Now, the fact that when God created the world, what did he say? We've already said it. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Because if he said it, it's going to happen. Yeah? Because God never reneges on his promises, does he? So God said, let there be light, and there was light. And for a lot of the creation story, God said, let there be, and there was. Let there be, and there was. Let there be, and there was. And he just put everything in the right place. Now, when Jesus came, he brought a light to shine into the darkness of our lives. What was that darkness made up of? Well, sin, rebellion, shame, all of those things that, that held us in darkness, held us in that captivity. What I heard years ago was being called the poverty of sin, the poverty of sin, something that leaves us much poorer than we should be because of the darkness that surrounds us. That's why Jesus came to bring light into our lives. And the light that shines in the darkness cannot be overcome. By its very nature, you put the light on and the light will be seen. You put the light on and it will be seen. It, no matter how dark, a light in darkness will take away the darkness. That's what it does. So that's the nature of what Jesus did. So the light that shines in the darkness cannot be overcome. We, we've heard this translation um, or this word overcome, that the, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. There's other translations that use the word comprehend. Comprehend, the darkness has not comprehended the light. In other words, the darkness can't fathom it out. The darkness can't make sense of the light. The darkness can't understand what's going on with the light. But when the light comes, it just banishes the darkness. And I know this is I know I'm laboring the point, but in our lives, that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. He overcomes the darkness. Now, in John chapter 8, so we're a bit later on in the book of John, just one verse, John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have, okay, have, simple word, but basically possess, take hold of, appropriate, hold close, the light of life. And that light will banish the darkness. So there is a promise that we can grab hold of and keep in our hearts. It really does, I believe, make a material difference to our lives, this. This is not just ethereal, theoretical. This is real. Because when we feel swamped by darkness that we might be encountering in our lives around us, there is a light that pierces that darkness. We don't have to maintain that. We don't have to maintain a position of being in darkness and sin. Through what Jesus has done, we can bring that light into our lives. And he will bring the light into our lives when we welcome him in, when we trust him. 
And remember, it's not just about the fact that we now live in the light, but also the light lives in us. The light lives in us. Whoever follows me will have Jesus, the light of life. So whoever follows me, whoever trusts, whoever makes that decision, whoever invites Jesus into their lives will have that light living in us. So because Jesus is the light, I live in the light and the light lives in me. Matthew 5, 16 says, Therefore, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and do what? Praise your Father in heaven. So let your light shine so people can see that and actually then give glory to the Father, not give glory to you or to me. They might appreciate what we, what we do and how we are, but when the light shines, the idea is that people then give glory to God the Father. Amen so far? Amen. Yeah? So, because of Jesus, so because Jesus is, I live in the light. Secondly, because Jesus is, I am part of his family. So let's look at verse 12 of chapter 1. So we're still in chapter 1. We're drawing out some key things here. Because the word has to be central to everything that we bring. Yeah? I could share a whole load of good ideas with you today. But those ideas have to be grounded in what the scripture says. Yeah? Really important. Absolutely vital. So John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we've received life from Jesus. We've talked about that. How does it happen? Actually, it's a bit of a mystery how that transaction happens between our old lives and our new lives when Jesus comes in and takes takes when we take it when we invite Jesus into our lives it's a bit of a mystery isn't it it's so profound and yet so simple I once heard it described like a bit like this you've got a picture of a stream on the screen there imagine an empty cup just positioned under a fresh clean beautiful flowing stream you get the empty cup. The cup is just positioned there to receive everything that comes down. That new water. Empty cup under the stream. Let it fill us up. Yeah? So we position ourselves. All we're doing is positioning ourselves, recognising that we're empty, recognising that we're poor, recognising that in ourselves we can't do anything. But we just put ourselves, if you've ever been to amazing parts of the world, and there are some amazing waterfalls, aren't there? We went to one, Shea and I were in, um, where were we? Morocco in the summer. We went to this amazing waterfall. And it's such a hot, dry, and it was so hot and dry that summer or when we were there. But people were going up to this waterfall and literally just standing under it and just letting it wash over them. They weren't in control of the waterfall. They couldn't... They couldn't um, they couldn't influence how much water was coming down. They couldn't influence how cold it was. They couldn't influence anything about that waterfall. All they could do was put themselves under it. Do you see that? All we can do is put ourselves in that place where we can receive from God. And our empty cup can become full. And that's the promise of Jesus, isn't it? Our empty cup can become full. 
So Jesus gave his life that we might have life and life in all its fullness. Yes, with trials, with tribulations, with challenges. We've talked about some of that. Al, thanks for leading us beautifully in worship today. The genuine, authentic expression of worship. And that's a challenge as a church, isn't it? Because everyone in this room, we can sing great uplifting songs or we can sing songs that are really kind of where we're talking about the pain of what's going on. Corporately, there's a challenge there, isn't it? Because everyone in the room is experiencing different things. But the Holy Spirit's amazing because actually in a, a corporate time of worship, the Holy Spirit can work differently in different ones depending on what we need and where we are in our lives. And, and that's a real challenge, isn't it? Corporately, as a community of God's people, it's a real challenge to come into a place like this and say, okay, let's sing together, let's worship, let's look at this song or let's look at this, these words. There's a real, is it a dichotomy? There's a real kind of, I don't know if that's the right word, I think it is. It's like a contrast, isn't it? And yet somehow, somehow, as a community of God's people, God can do something amazing with all of us, corporately, no matter how we are, where we've come from, what we're experiencing, God can do something really beautiful in our midst. And that's why worship and music and song and expressions of these things that, that God says about us and the truth about him are so vital. Because it's almost like it's a bit of a leveller. Because no matter where we are, where we're coming from, we can, God will meet us in that place if we're just vulnerable to him. Isn't that amazing? It's a real challenge, but it's an amazing thing. So the fullness of God that we talk about includes being part of his family. Look around you. Weird. Shapes, sizes, ages, stages, backgrounds. Pardon? Clothes, absolutely. All sorts of things. We're a strange bunch. A random collection of believers. But we are his family. We are his family. And if you're exploring, um, you know, joining the, the church, or if you're students, you're coming along and you're trying to think what's going on at this strange church building, we're a strange bunch. Always have been. But, but God is at work. <laughs> and all we want to do is follow him. And we don't want to go anywhere where he's not leading us. And we want to try and, you know, we'll make mistakes along the way. But we're just trying to be an authentic community of God's people, aren't we? Yeah? To be part of God, or God the family of God means knowing it and experiencing the love of God. It means that we know that the barrier of sin, that barrier that, uh, between us and God, has, that things that separate us have been demolished. That barrier of sin has been demolished by Jesus on the cross. Yeah? So he's demolished the barrier of sin. And we have a promise of an inheritance. That inheritance is in eternity with him in heaven. But it's also about a life lived in fullness here on the earth. Yes, with all its challenges. But being part of God's family means we have a purpose and are part of something much greater than ourselves. Now Steve Allen preached a couple of weeks ago a great message about brokenness. Steve talked about brokenness and restoration. And he drilled into that word. Do you remember the word that drilled, Steve drilled in towards the end? Shalom. Do you remember? He talked about shalom, a form of peace. One of the things he said is that that shalom, that peace comes from God, but it also comes from being part of the community of believers. That's what he said, Steve, wasn't it? 
that shalom, that peace comes not just, it comes from God, but it also comes from being part of the family of believers. So we find that sense of purpose, healing, restoration, not only individually, but also collectively. And I think we've experienced all of those things in Northgate. In fact, I realised this year, Sheila, this is our 25th year in Northgate. 25 years, 1997 we came. 25 years later, we're still here. Through the ups, through the downs. Still here. And some of you, <laughs> I won't say who, some of you have been here a lot, 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 lot longer than that. In fact, we're, we're actually whippersnappers, Sheila. We are, we are relatively new in the Northgate family. Because some of you have been here for <clears throat> a long time. So, we are part of his family. So because Jesus is, I'm part of his family. That's what I can say. Because Jesus is, who he is, what he's done, I am part of his family. Isn't that amazing? I'm part of his family. Now, one of my favourite verses about this is in 1 John 3. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And it's not just for its content, but also, well, its content is mind-blowing, it's marvellous, it's magnificent. But 1 John 3, verse 1, also for its rhythm and its poetry, because there's a lot of rhythm and poetry, and I like rhythm. You know I like rhythm because I love music and things. There's rhythm and poetry in it. What does it say? 1 John 3, verse 1. It's beautiful and it's purposeful. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And what's the next bit say? And... What does it say? That is what we are. Isn't that amazing? So it says something and then it affirms it. The scriptures do that so much. It'll say something. It'll give you a truth and then it'll kind of affirm it itself. So see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and, and that is what we are. And I think there was a song that you used to sing kind of. There was a song, wasn't there? I won't get you to sing it, but there was a song about it. See what, I can't even remember it. Anyway, I won't sing it. But at the end of it, it says, and that is what we are. That is what we are. We are his people. We are his children. So I'm part of his family. And the last thing to look at, just as we come into land, because Jesus is, I am a reflection of his glory. The second part of verse 14, John 1 verse 14 says, It says, we have seen his glory. In fact, let's read the whole of verse 14, because I think we should. Where is it? There it is. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. We have seen his glory. We've seen Jesus. We haven't seen him physically, but the more we understand about Jesus, the more we read about him, the more we absorb about Jesus, he is glorious. And the Greek word for glory here is actually a word called doxa. Everybody say doxa. Doxa. And that means honour, renown, glory, 
especially divine quality, the unspoken manifestation of God, splendor. That's what doxa means. And when we talk about the one and only, what does that mean? Well, it's linked to that phrase. You, you might hear it again. We do hear this a lot at Christmas. His only begotten son. Only begotten son. Okay? It means, that means that he was made as the same, as the same stuff as God. Begotten means came from. So he was, a, he was the same as God. Different, but the same. Different, but the same. So the glory of God is revealed in Jesus as proclaimed by John. But how does the, that impact us? So the glory of God revealed in Jesus, how does that impact us? Well, the Bible also says that we are a reflection of his glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. So we think about it, we muse on it, we ponder it. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So as we think about Jesus, as we ponder it, as we contemplate, as we think, as we, what was it, Lloyd Grossman, ruminate and cogitate, was it? Does anyone remember that? No. We ruminate and cogitate. I'm sure he used to say that. We ruminate and cogitate. As we think about it. Yeah, Martin's nodding at the back there. Thanks, Martin. I'm glad you're with me anyway. Ruminate and cogitate. As we ponder, we think, we consider. With ever-increasing glory, we are being transformed into his likeness. Being transformed into his likeness and reflecting his glory is a process called sanctification. Becoming more and more like Jesus. It's a daily process. Something we need not just to submit to, but actively participate in. In fact, Al, the song that you sang, There is Strength in the Sorrow, which actually, can we do that at the end, if that's okay, as well? I know we've done it once. What was one of the lines in that? You are working in our waiting, sanctifying us. You're working in our waiting, sanctifying us. In other words, God is working with him, with us, to turn us more into the image of Jesus. And we participate in that. It's a journey, it's a daily decision, it's an action. Putting ourselves in a place, again, putting ourselves in a place. Just putting ourselves in a place where God's going to mould us and shape us into everything he wants us to be. And in many respects, it's about letting that family resemblance shine through. Being made more like Jesus, people will be drawn to Jesus in us the Christ in us, the Christ in me, the Christ in you, the Christ in us corporately as his people. Letting the family resemblance shine through in ever-increasing glory. So individually in my life, I want people to see the Christ in me and be drawn to him. Yeah? So individually, that's what I want. I want people to see the Christ in me and be drawn to that. But collectively and corporately, I want people to see the Christ in us. Everybody say us. us. The Christ in us. And be drawn to that. Be drawn to him. Be drawn to Jesus. 
so that whatever we radiate, whatever we exude, people see Christ in us and are drawn to it. Now, we haven't got time to do them now, but I've got some questions on the screen. And it, you know what? Have you ever set questions for like a Bible study or something like that? It's really hard. Why is it really hard? Because we tend to go into like, what's the word? I'm just going to be honest with you now. We can go into things that are a bit vague, a bit like, actually, what does that really mean? We can set questions where it doesn't really challenge us much a bit weak, and I was thinking about what questions can I look at today, and I kind of set these, and I thought, do these questions help us, but the first two, I was thinking, it, it, it almost, I, I, got, I came up with the first one, how do I benefit from being part of the family of God, and I thought, it feels a bit selfish, that one, how do I benefit, but then I thought, well, actually, let's flip it around, how do, you, do the family of God benefit from me being part of it, and how do I benefit from being part of the family of God. So that's the questions that I wanted to ask. We're not going to do that now, but if you want to take a photo of that, or if you want to make a note of it, I'll leave it on the screen for a minute. Secondly, you know the scriptures that talk about covering up light, isn't there? There's a scripture that says, we don't hide our light under a bushel, we need to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Yeah? So what we don't want to do is cover up that light of Jesus. So what are the ways that we can cover up our light? And secondly, to be, how can I let the glory of God shine brighter in my life? Now, I hope they're not too vague. I want you to think about real things. So have a look at those questions this week. How do, I, how do the family of God benefit from me being part of it? Because that's the flip side of actually, how do I benefit from being part of the family of God? So I benefit when I'm around, but also, hopefully, other people benefit from me being around. And that's what we need to think about. How does that benefit happen? In what ways do I cover up my light? And how can I let the glory of God shine brighter in my life? How can I make place for that to increase the gas? If you turn up the gas, the flame shines brighter. How can we let that gas shine? burn brighter. Hi guys, you can come in because I'm done nearly. So, because Jesus is, I am. Because Jesus is, I am. I live in the light, I am part of his family and I am a reflection of his glory. You know, Jesus brings light into our lives. And if you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, if you've never made that decision to put yourself in a place where you receive everything that God has, to confess your sin, to ask God to forgive your sin and help to transform your life into the new creation that he wants you to be, if you've never made that decision, I would encourage you to do that. As the band come and join us just to do this final song, I want to say to you, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, Think about the things that the Holy Spirit is showing you today and let his light shine in you. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, if you've never been at that place where you've put your trust in him, asked him to forgive you, asked him to turn your life around, recognise who he is, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, 
He died on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven and your relationship with God could be completely restored. If you've never made that decision, and I don't know everyone in this room, so if you've never made that decision to trust him, today is a great day to do that, isn't it? And if you know someone who's a Christian in this room today, go and speak to them or speak to someone who's been involved in leading the service today. And I'm sure they'll be happy to pray with you. Thanks for listening to the Northgate Church Podcast. Find out more at northgate.org.uk or find us on social media by searching Northgate Church Chester. 